One of the strongest memories I have from middle school is a group project I had to do on cell division. It was a fairly straightforward project. Create visuals of all the phases of cell division, color all the different parts of the cell during each phase, and glue these visuals on a poster board with some descriptions. Easy enough. But the reason I remember this project so viscerally is because of how angry I was the entire time I was coloring the cells. And why was I angry? Because like I said, this was a group project, and I colored all the cells by myself. Now this was not necessarily an uncommon experience for me. I was good enough at school that anything short of an A on a paper or project was not living up to my full potential. I cared a lot about my grades, which made me particularly susceptible to group project fatigue. If I was the most motivated person on the team, it became super easy for my teammates to do a much smaller amount of work, either because they knew I would fill in the rest or because I pushed myself to fill in the rest. It's somewhat surprising then that I ended up at the college that I did because at Olin, every single project and problem set was on a group. They prided themselves on doing everything in teams. And so for four years, my whole life was just one big, long group project. Thankfully, my college gave us a lot better tools and skills on how to do team projects well. And most of my classmates were just as motivated as I was to succeed. So I've seen the good and the bad on what group projects look like. Unsurprisingly, these academic experiences have had lasting effects on my personality. I find that I deeply resent times when I feel like I am working alone, or when I feel like I am the only one who cares about or is motivated to do something necessary. But I also find that some of my greatest joys come from encounters with people who are self-motivated and passionate and who have taken responsibility for some shared interest. As I'm sure I've mentioned multiple times, my favorite thing to do as a pastor is just to say yes to something that somebody says they want to do themselves. Excellent. So good. Now, I tell you all of this because this is the lens through which I understand our second reading from St. Paul to the Philippians. St. Paul begins... I pray always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. Notice the phrase, partnership for the gospel. St. Paul sees the gospel as something that we partner for. In a very real sense, the gospel is a group project for all Christians. But things go even deeper. The word partnership here is translating the Latin word communione, which is translating the Greek word koinonia, a word that is often translated as fellowship or communion. The gospel is a shared enterprise, but it is not merely a functional enterprise. 
not merely a list of tasks to be divided up. Our partnership for the gospel is a partnership that not only achieves an end, but which unites us closer together in the process. It is both a community and a purpose, and the community and purpose mutually create each other. And what's the verb in this phrase? St. Paul is praying always with joy for the community of the Philippians, specifically because they have joined with him in this partnership. St. Paul would have, and often did, set out on his own to preach the gospel, because his love for Christ compelled him to preach in season and out of season. But how much more joyful for him when he is no longer preaching the gospel alone, but has found a community to partner with him in that endeavor. What does St. Paul say next? I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The foundation of any good team, maybe it's a team at work, maybe it's a team at church, maybe it's the team that is the family, but the foundation of any good team is trust. Micromanaging and controlling are miserable experiences for everyone involved. Instead, once a team decides on an approach to a problem, every member of that team must trust every other member of the team to stay true to the agreement and to uphold their given responsibilities. So St. Paul is expressing this trust for his teammates, certainly, But he's expressing it first and foremost in the Lord, the one who began a good work in you. He is joyful that the Philippians have partnered with him for the sake of the gospel. He trusts that their good work will continue. But he also knows that he is not the one who brought them together. He knows that it was only by the grace of God that this partnership began. And so it is only by the grace of God that the good work of partnering for the gospel will continue to be completed. St. Paul is praying for the Philippians in joy, and he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more. This is an excellent prayer. This is his foundational prayer for his gospel team. But he gives us more details. He's praying that their love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and every kind of perception to discern what is of value. Essentially, St. Paul is equating love and holiness. To discern what is of value is to have our priorities straight, to focus our lives, our time, our resources on things in the proper order. St. Paul is praying that the Philippians would continue to grow in deeper appreciation for the gospel, that the gospel would be made more and more the center of their lives. And then, of course, the result of a proper prioritization of of the gospel is love. The more they are dominated by the gospel of Jesus, 
the more they will increase in love for Jesus, for themselves, and for others. And of course, there's a purpose to this prayer. St. Paul wants them to grow in love through a proper prioritization. But what's the purpose? He concludes, So that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. My engineering school was so small that at some point I was on a project team with almost every member of my class. And I found that after being on a team with them, I loved them more. It wasn't just during the project that I prayed for their success, but afterward I was more invested in their lives and their struggles and their enjoyments. This is what St. Paul is expressing to the Philippians that he ardently loves them and desires for them the greatest thing he can possibly imagine, their blamelessness and righteousness before God. In other words, he desires their holiness because he knows their holiness will also bring them the greatest happiness and fulfillment in this life and the next. Now, if the connection I'm going to make is not yet obvious, what's true of the early Christian community continues to be true of today's Christian community. What St. Paul prays for and celebrates in the community of the Philippians should be what we pray for and celebrate here at our own parish. A parish is a community of people united by and for the singular purpose of bringing the message of Christ into the world. It is a joyful community, precisely because, though we would each preach the gospel of Jesus even if we were doing it alone, it is a supreme joy to be able to do it together, to preach the gospel in fellowship. Even though the priest is the visible head of the parish community, It is God who has united us, and it is God who will complete the good work in us. And so, a healthy parish places its trust in the grace of God to keep us united to him and to each other. And of course, in a healthy parish, our greatest desire and prayer for each other is and should be that we would each grow in holiness so that we might be blameless and righteousness and blameless and righteous when the lord returns now if you've been reading along with the reading in the red book you'll notice i missed a phrase it's because i want to mention it now the other thing saint paul tells the philippians is god is my witness how i long for all of you with the affection of christ jesus My brothers and sisters in Christ, I can honestly say that what is true for St. Paul is also true for me. I long for each of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I long to see the grace of God increase in you. I long to see you become disciples of Jesus. I long to see you holy and righteous and redeemed. And I strive to do so with the affection of the Lord who desires this for all of his beloved family members of faith. It is the greatest joy of my life 
to partner with you in our parish in the preaching of the gospel. On days when I feel like I am sitting and coloring those cells alone, those dividing cells alone, the Lord always, inevitably, raises up someone from our community as a new partner in mission. And I rejoice once again in our partnership for the gospel. And I hope that this is, or if it's not yet, may someday also be true for you, for all of you as parishioners. I hope that you can long for each other with the affection of Christ Jesus, that you can long for each other's holiness, that you can be joyful in each other's partnership for the gospel. I hope that you will always be marked by that supreme joy of living in the fellowship and partnership of preaching Jesus Christ to the world.